Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Are you watching the transfer portal? Are you keeping tabs on who's jumping into the portal, who's coming out of the portal? If you're an Oregon State fan, you're probably, uh, you know, watching Aiden Childs and DJ Uyunglele uh, get into the portal, and you're now probably watching as you see some of the uh, defensive players, Oregon State's top two tacklers from the season, Easton Mascarenas Arnold and Achille Arnold, have both jumped into the transfer portal. So uh, that's a blow on the defensive side of the ball for Oregon State, but I think Oregon State knows that it is playing a tenuous game this offseason. Oregon has a bowl game against Liberty. Out trying to recruit, Dan Lanning recruiting, Bo Nix out picking up awards. Here to talk about it, Spencer McLaughlin. You can read his work at 750thegame.com. You can find him on the Locked On Ducks, Locked On Pac-12 podcast. I saw him at the Pac-12 championship game. He was happy to be there. Is that your first title game? Uh, it's the first title game I've been to up in a press box. I have been to a couple other ones just as a spectator and observer, shall we say. So when you remove my disappointment as an Oregon fan, it was a pretty cool experience. Give me an idea. Um, you know, if we can look back, Oregon loses that game. Biggest factor in the game in your mind? I think the inability to control the line of scrimmage, you know, really on both sides, Oregon didn't try uh, – I, I didn't feel that they tried super hard to establish a running game early on, but then the few times they did, there wasn't really anything there. I mean, the last two times those teams had met, Oregon you know, hadn't won the games, but gosh almighty, they'd run the ball incredibly well, and Washington's defense, they were just playing a lot better, and they tackled really, really well in space. I thought their secondary brought down Bucky Irving and a couple other Oregon players in the open field in ways that they just hadn't in the previous meetings, and they – they played well, but you know Oregon couldn't pressure Michael Penix consistently enough. And if you give him a bunch of time, they're going to throw the ball deep down the field, and those receivers are going to make plays. And then on the other side, Oregon just couldn't, you know, get the ground game going, and so they couldn't control the ball. And their defense was on the field, and things just kind of spiraled there in the early going. They stabilized for a little bit, but it ultimately um, the the slow start is is what I thought did him in. I want to get your brain on this. Everybody talking about the possibility of Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback, going to Oregon. Here's what Josh Pate said about Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel in the portal. This was not a surprise. I think publicly maybe it was. Oklahoma fans weren't shocked by this. There have been rumblings. Dylan Gabriel was the starting quarterback for Oklahoma this past year. Uh, Put up good numbers. Nearly a 70% completion percentage guy. 30 touchdowns, six picks, and uh, had a big game against Texas. And so he's in the portal now. It looks like he's going to go to Oregon. I think there's a visit set up this weekend. Bo Nix is out right after he goes and fulfills his obligations as a Heisman Trophy finalist. He's he's out. And um, strong betting favorite that Dylan Gabriel ends up in Eugene, Oregon. Do you agree with that? And if so, what do you think of Dylan Gabriel? Well, everything that I've seen and heard as well is that he's, uh, you know, certainly the, the most likely Oregon quarterback for 2024 at this point in time. Hasn't been uh, solidified just yet, hasn't actually happened yet. But, 
You know, I, I like him. I don't know that I'm as enamored with him as, as everybody else. Uh, you know, he's a pretty little guy. I think he's like five. I think he's listed at 5'11", but I think he's probably at 5'9", 5'10"-ish. Um, you know, he can disappear in the pocket a little bit, but he makes good plays from the pocket. He, uh, I, I think, is usually an accurate thrower of the football. He's got good mobility. He's got a decent arm. You know, he ran plenty of RPO stuff at Oklahoma. I think that, you know, roughly fits what Will Stein wants to do as the offensive coordinator at Oregon, assuming he's there next year, which I, I presume he will be. So, you know, I, I like him. Uh, if if I had my choice as an Oregon fan, I'd take Cam Ward at Washington State. Uh, there are just a couple elements to Ward's game that I like more than Gabriel's, but I think both guys are capable of coming to Oregon and, and having success, and I think that he's viewed as one of the top portal targets uh, at the quarterback position for, for a reason. You know, just personal preference to me. I've watched both guys play a good amount, certainly Cam Ward a little more. Uh, maybe that's why I like him more, but um, you know, I, I think he's got to have some, some good weapons, but I, I think he could come to Oregon and help him compete in the Big Ten. Give me an idea. Is there someone on the roster, though, that you would like to see compete for that job? Well, I mean, it's Ty Thompson, right? I mean, you, you just get put in this precarious spot now as a fan because, especially at the quarterback position, and I'm going to write about this at 750 of the game tomorrow, like, you, you can't get attached to the old way of doing things. I, I think that from a recruiting standpoint, you just don't always have the time to to operate on the schedule of a young quarterback. Think about Justin Herbert, for instance. As a true freshman, you know, he took over for Dakota Prukop in the midst of a bad season. If that season had gone well, I, I don't think they would have made the switch to Justin Herbert. But he was capable as a young freshman, but he also made a lot of freshman mistakes. I was at that Cal game down in Berkeley in 2016. He threw for like 1,600 yards, but he also had a few costly interceptions because he just wasn't quite reading the defense correctly all the time. And Oregon was in a position to go with him and endure those growing pains because they were in a reset spot. But now in the age of the transfer portal and the way Lanning's recruited and the way he coaches and the way he's running the program right now, it, it looks like Oregon just can't afford to wait. And Ty Thompson might be capable of starting for the Ducks and winning games. But is he going to be as refined as Dylan Gabriel? Almost certainly not. I don't know how he could be. And I just think that college football, especially the quarterback position, is just a year-to-year -year proposition. And unless you're a rebuilding team, it's just not that likely that you're going to go with a high school kid and develop him because you feel like, well, we got to – we, we, we got to go right now. Like, we got to compete, and it's just all in on every single year. And then when that season ends, you reset and, and you go all in for the next year as well. It feels like the days of a two- and three-year plan, you know, for, for an elite program like Oregon, it feels like those have gone by the wayside. Give me an idea, because we're talking about a quarterback. But, you know, we start the conversation by saying that the problem was the offensive and defensive line. We all know it's a quarterback-centric game, but can Oregon get better in the trenches? And will you know? Can they make the quarterback matter? Well, the quarterback's going to matter, and I, I think that it's going to matter, you know, even more how Oregon does in the trenches. Because even though I think Dylan Gabriel is good, I do not think that he's capable of being Bo Nix. I think he's a guy who can you know, be a solid quarter. I mean, Oklahoma's a 10-2 and two football team in in the Big 12 this year, and I don't think the Big 12 is 
the greatest conference in America, certainly, but I also watched them go toe-to-toe with Quinn Ewers at Texas, and I like Quinn Ewers, and I, I watched him, you know, lead a game-winning drive, and he showed some real stones in that moment, and I, I think for the trenches, it, it's going to be, you know, even more important. It, it's it's not as if uh, it, it's not as if Oregon wasn't good in the trenches. I, I, I really think they just had an off game. I mean, at what point in the season were we talking about Oregon's inability to run the football, their inability to pressure the quarterback? It wasn't a problem all year. Washington's just really good. They had a couple of tackles who were outstanding. They have a young center who's good, and they had a really good game plan for dealing with Oregon's pressure with the max protection looks, and Oregon just didn't have an answer, and they didn't have the guys on the back end who could cover. I, I frankly, you know, even though there's going to be a lot of lost talent, especially along that defensive line, I think the biggest need for Oregon is in the secondary. Spencer McLaughlin with us. You can read his work at 750thegame.com. Also, Locked on Ducks, Locked on Pac-12 podcasts. Spencer, the playoff is still four teams. It's not working. Florida State gets left out, expanding to 12. You and I have texted about this. You still don't like the 12-team playoff. What is your issue? What's wrong with you? What do you need a 12-team playoff for? Goodness gracious. I mean, look, I'm in the camp that Florida State should not have made the playoffs. I'm also in the camp that if Jordan Travis had stayed healthy, that they would have been undefeated. They would have been in the playoffs. And Alabama, based on where the Crimson Tide were ranked and their loss to Texas, would have been left out. And I would have been okay with all of that. You know, I understand why people want the 12-team playoff. I can't wait to have debates about a 9-3 and Iowa team versus an 11-1 and Tulane out of the American. I can't, I can't wait for that. I think that's, that's going to be some riveting stuff as for who should get an at-large berth and whatnot. But college football is the greatest sport in the world, John, in my view. It's my favorite one to watch because there is no sport, and this includes the NFL unquestionably, that creates the week-to-week individual game urgency that college football does. When you expand the playoff, you remove that urgency. So take anybody listening to this right now. How many of you are Michigan or Ohio State fans? I'm going to go out on a limb and say hardly any, if any of you at all. When you tune into that Michigan-Ohio State game, it's a fun football game to watch. What makes it an extra level of exciting? You know that the loser is not getting into the playoff. Each of the last three years, that has served as an elimination game for Ohio State, barring some massive help they get elsewhere. Of course, they got it last year with USC losing to Utah, which is another great example. USC would have been in the playoff anyway, so who cares if they lose to Utah in the Pac-12 championship game? And then Utah would have lost, you know, what, three games at that point and still been into the college football playoff, and you're, you're just devaluing the impact of a loss. The entire country, at some level, roots for Alabama to lose. And so when they do, it's a big deal because it affects their playoff hunt. We were watching the Iron Bowl this year. Why? Because if Bama loses, they're out of the playoff hunt. And that affects everything else. College football basically has, as a sport right now, and they're going away from it with the 12-team playoff, a 13-week-long double elimination playoff. That's what they have. And there's no other sport in the world that has that. And they're going away from that, and I think it's primarily financially driven. And that's why my opposition to it, even though it's going to benefit Oregon and would have many times over the past few years, I think that the sport is so great because it's different than every other sport in the world. And I think that that going away is bad. Different is good. That said, in the NFL, the Niners have three losses. Eagles have two. The Chiefs have four. 
we all know losses sometimes happen. Why should it end your season? Because that's what creates the best television product is urgency. Is you have to win every single week. The standard that is held to college football teams, their feet are to the fire every single week. And to your point, you don't have that in the NFL. The 49ers have got three losses, and we all know how they're still going to go out there and win the Super Bowl. So when I watch their games, I'm not watching up with the same sort of edge-of-my-seat intensity just as a general sports fan that I do when I watch Alabama play Auburn. Like Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler are jumping up and down in the booth. You know why? Because they know that Alabama just saved their hopes of going to the playoff and winning a national championship. It's on the line right then and there. There is no other sport that creates that sort of urgency and drive and excitement in the regular season, including and especially the NFL. And I think that when people make that sort of comparison and say, well, the NFL does this, my response is I don't want it to be like the NFL. I want it to be college football. And it's always about every individual week. And I think that the four-team format is, more than sufficient to get us a worthy champion every single year. No, I think I think this year is a great example of why you know you had five conferences, four champions, and I think we're going to see uh, the college teams in the twelve-team playoff. You're going to see two, threes, fives. You're going to see some of those seeds winning big games. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have that debate when it happens. But now let's look at the four teams: Sugar Bowl, you got Washington, you got Texas, Rose Bowl, you got Alabama, Michigan. Who are your winners? It's hard to pick against Washington, isn't it? Like, it's, it's really hard to pick against Washington because all they have done is just continue to win football games. And Michigan is in that class as well. But I, I think that Washington, you know, in a rematch from the Alamo Bowl from last year, which is truly a rematch, by the way, I think that there are like 27 and 31 players respectively on Washington and Texas's teams that were in that Alamo Bowl. Alamo Bowl from from last season. I, I look at that one and say that's a shootout, and I think the other one is a slugfest. I, I don't think there's any chance that Michigan or Bama win by 10 or more points. I think one offense could get hot in the Texas-Washington game and and beat the other team by, by 10 or more points, and it could come down to turnovers or situations or anything like that. But I, I, I have a hard time picking against Washington with the way they're playing, with the way Penix looks. He's be playing in a dome once again, and that clearly suited him very well in, in Las Vegas against the Ducks. So I, I think that Texas's corners are not going to be good enough to hold up against uh, the Washington receivers. But give me Alabama over, over Michigan. Uh, I, I, I am not a J.J. McCarthy fan. I, I think he's fine. He's, I think he's capable. But I always thought the early season Heisman hype was ridiculous. I think I was proven right in that particular regard. And I think that Alabama, I mean, just say it out loud. You know, are you going to pick against Nick Saban in a year in which the entire college football world, not the entire world, but a lot of people in the world wanted to write him off and say, oh, no, he doesn't have it anymore. He's lost his touch. He's going the way of Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich. I mean, (laughs) he just, he he has been, like, if you don't think he hears that sort of stuff, I think he does, and I I think he's coming with a vengeance, so. Um, I'll, I'll take I'll take Washington and Alabama to win. There you go, Washington and Alabama in the national title game. You want to pick your winner now? No, not yet. I need to see how they go, how they play in those in those semifinals first. There you go, Spencer McLaughlin. I appreciate you joining us, even if you're wrong about the 12 team playoff. We'll debate <laughs> it. We'll debate it when it happens. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, anytime, John. Appreciate it.
There he goes. Read his work at 750thegame.com. I like the 12-team playoff. I think we need a larger pool of playoff teams. We're not asking college football to put half the teams in the playoff like, you know, the uh, NBA or sometimes other sports do. Uh, We're asking for, you know, more than enough to capture the best team in America. And we're asking for and probably getting with a 12-team playoff, the end of the controversy. What will be the controversy moving forward? It'll be, all right, who's in the top four? Who who gets the first round bye? Who gets the home field? It'll be that stuff. It won't be, they got screwed, they got left out, you know. And, by the way, if you're a conference champion, it, you're going to the playoff. And... You know, it's not the NCAA tournament. It doesn't quite have the beauty and the poetry and the symmetry of the NCAA tournament. It's a beautiful thing. But it's needed. I'm with Spencer, though. Isn't 12 too much? Shouldn't it be like 8? In most years, I think we'll be seeing a little bit of, ooh, did that team, did Liberty belong in there? You know, they'll have those kinds of conversations. Who was the 12th team in? But in this year, there's 8 teams that could win this thing. They, you know, you're going to have to, if you're 5 through 12, play it off. So at least we get a chance to see them. You know, it's it does allow the games, the, the outcomes to be settled on the field. And maybe we see a 12 seed win someday, or we see them win a game. I don't know. But I think you have to cast the net wide enough. Baseball does it. The NFL does it. NCAA tournament does it. You cast the net wide enough to be sure that you're going to capture the champion. Give, give everybody who deserves a chance a chance. And so I think 12 is the number. I would have been okay with eight. But I think, you know, in this year it would have worked. Most years it probably works. But I think 12 is a good number. and It gives us another week of football. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.